0: to another podcast here from Rogue Opinions. I'm Scott McLeod, and we're here bringing you our review of NXT TakeOver Toronto, and joining me for this show is the Trent Seven to my Tyler Bate, it's Carl, hiya.
1: Hello, yeah, and that's probably quite accurate age-wise as well, unfortunately.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I wasn't trying to make an age joke, but I was just i'm starting to quickly think i need to think more about these comparisons i've started with i've started doing it and now and now i feel like i need to keep these going
1: i <laughs> know i enjoy them i think i might be slightly older than trent but uh we'll gloss over that
0: <laughs> yeah i just thought because tyler appeared in the in the crowd at one point during the show i just thought oh, tyler because i've already done like i think i already did the street profits one or yes the, i
1: think one. you did yeah
0: yeah but uh, this is part of our our like, double weekend of predictions like we did last month when we and you did Fight for the fall, and then Jimmy and Nathan did uh, Extreme Rules where we were doing predictions for TakeOver Toronto and uh, Jimmy and Nathan did SummerSlam. Their pod will be up shortly. It should be up uh, tomorrow or sometime. Uh, and we'll talk about our predictions as we go along. But we, we've soon learned, like, it's a little more difficult uh, predicting for a takeover given there's only like there's only like five matches, so the differences were very very few and far between
1: yeah I think the only one we were different on was the uh, North American title match wasn't it
0: yeah like, we did have like a tiebreaker in terms of like the order of falls, just in case because like, there was always a chance we could both be wrong and done could uh, win because you had strong uh dream and there's a sense like Pete Dungeon just went out and just ruined it for both of us.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so we had to have a contingency just just yeah. in case.
0: Yeah. I mean we did like originally we thought the breakout was gonna be on it, and that would have been one of our few differences, but then decided no, we'll put it on the NXT that's taped beforehand.
1: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was uh meant to be originally, but perhaps they decided to go with um Eo and Candice and uh, that's probably the right decision. We'll talk about that match when we get to it, but yeah. it was a it was a very good match.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't see why they couldn't have like added it. Like, I know they tend to do five matches; they've done six in the past and like fairly early on in the days of NXT. But I don't see why like adding in just one extra match. I don't think it would have made the show go like any longer. At least it still would have been a lot shorter than SummerSlam was.
1: Yeah, they could have done, but they've got their formula, and for now they they like to stick to it, don't they? And find yeah. matches and keeping it around the three-hour mark.
0: Yeah, we'll just jump right into the show. Uh, our usual commentary team of Maronello, Nigel McGuinness and Beth Phoenix. And another like big difference between NXT and the main roster show is like. SummerSlam had this really generic-sounding rap song for the intro, whereas NXT kicked off with a promo package for all the matches set to the set to Slipknot, which just to make so to show ElectroPlay like just try and make something like NXT look like the cool, hard rock, like alternative to like the mainstream main roster.
1: Yeah, it definitely has a a, a better feel to it, doesn't it? Somehow the yeah. the opening and the promo packages. It'll yeah. be interesting to see how much influence Triple H uh, keeps when uh, NXT um, goes to what other channel? I forgot what channel's picking it up now. But Yeah, um,
0: yeah there's the, the talk of it going to like, FS1 as part of set That's it, that's well, it. I think a lot of people are already crying as the death of NXT when there was never don't think, any confirmation. Just some people are speculating that's possibly what could happen.
1: It does look. It does look like it's very much on the cards, but uh, we'll worry about that if we, if we need to.
0: Yeah, but uh, we should we'll just focused on like the good, and there was a lot of good to this show because we opened up with the Street Profits defending their NXT Tag Team Championships against Thoms Era, represented by Carlo O'Reilly and Bobby Fish, who got a great reaction because Undisputed Era are definitely over. Also, I forgot until it became out that Carlo O'Reilly is actually Canadian. He's from British Columbia, in uh, Vancouver, and I believe Maro Knoll is as well.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't realise that about O'Reilly either. To be fair, so uh, no surprise they got a good reaction. But they're a great, they're a great team, and they're a good open, they're good opening act as well, aren't they? they? You can always rely on Era to have really good matches.
0: Yeah, like you said, with NXT having their formula, like it seems to be a proven formula, I'm open with the tag team title match, and more than not, like you said Undisputed Era is, in, is usually involved and it usually helps pick the crowd up.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, this one started, I would say a bit of a slow burner. It, it took uh, five to ten minutes to get going, but well, that is usually the case with uh, Undisputed Era matches, and it's normally a <laughs> It's normally a good reason for that. You don't want to, you know, they they don't want to go straight straight into it. They like they like to, um, they like to build into the big spots in Africa. and everything. I I always think the matches work quite well.
0: Yeah, like you said, it was a little bit of like there was a lot. of, Uh, Unispeeder sure relied a lot on their like technical and trading game because I think that's what O'Reilly and Fisher kind of known for. Because like they were chop, they were like really chopped down angelo dawkins because like he's a big guy and you can clearly tell that but when he was next to o'reilly and fish it made it became like even more apparent how big he actually is i
1: was gonna say that um i knew he was a a bigger guy dawkins but until i saw him in the ring um on saturday yeah uh, with um o'reilly and uh, fish yeah i thought christy he's a big man isn't (laughs) he
0: Yeah, but uh, like I said, Undisputed Albert kinda of chop them down, like there was a lot of really smart tag team tactics between uh, Fish and O'Reilly and it is really good to see them back together the team more regularly because Fish was taken out for a lot of last year injury, and it was a uh, O'Reilly and Strong as the main like team of the Undisputed Era. And like they really able use their tactics in their kind of like striking game they chop to keep the much bigger guy down and in their corner. Before he eventually got the tag, the hot tag to Montez, who is really good for a hot tag because he's got so much energy and he's clearly very athletic as, we, as you've seen whenever he hits that frog splash.
1: Yeah, he's he's so good, and that um, those jumps out of the ring he does when he somersaults yeah. right over the top rope. I mean, apparently they, they were saying he's like six foot four. He's one of those people that's taller than you you realize, and mm-hmm. to be that athletic. Um, yeah, but six foot four, you know, is phenomenal, really.
0: Yeah, and montes uh, even threw in a little tribute to The Rock when he attempted a people's elbow, got sadly cut off. They did manage to catch, I think, it was Bobby Fish with a rock bottom.
1: Yeah, they they call calls it a uranagi on the yeah. commentary, but yeah. Definitely a little a little nod to the rock. He's been he's been retired for five minutes and the stealing his moves already.
0: <laughs> yeah. I I was watching this show with my brother who's like one of the biggest rock fans you'll ever meet and he like took a bit of exception to the crowd chan Rocky because as the Rock pointed out back in the day when he turned heel in like oh three, he said the Toronto were the first to boo the rock. So they're the first to lose their privileges of singing along with these cat trees. And so <laughs> He's like, no, Toronto, you booed the rock back in the day. You don't get to cheer for the rock. <laughs> yeah, but like like you said, the, the stuff matches like this, they build and they build and eventually like, it's the end last 10 minutes or so where it kind of went either way. Where I really thought the they were really going to get this. This would be part of the whole like, prophecy of them getting all the gold. Well, I thought everyone, yeah. thought, thought everyone bar strong was going to get called and uh, I'm actually surprised the Street Profits actually managed to pull it out.
1: Yeah, especially since they've been showing up on Roar, and they seem to be main roster now, well, I thought they'd be relieved of the tag title belts, but uh, now they, they held on to it, and perhaps, and perhaps in hindsight, the, the, you know, they needed the big win over uh, the Undisputed area as well, so yeah. I just hope they drop them properly, I don't, because the Viking Raiders, um, sort of relinquished them so i'd rather the street profits um do the job t- to lose the belts really
0: yeah yeah i don't think allegedly it's not an official call they're they're more as an advert for nxt like they've got the bills ah, right always-
1: yeah they, they won uh thanks to a couple of spears from dawkins and uh, a really good frog splash from um Montes Ford, he's he's really good at these aerial maneuvers, isn't he?
0: Yeah, cause like I was so surprised like that was the finish because like there've been quite a few alone and then just the last minute you wouldn't see them, but just from off frame, the tie partner would come in and beat them up. They're really good at like that biting, and then just the very last second like causing you to really bite for these false finishes. I was I was thinking part of my reason for honestly one winning. And I thought they would lose, but I did think the Street pros would eventually get them back and this would be like their first major like test as a tag I team and prove themselves as like proper contenders where they lost the first time but they eventually proved themselves later on. And they sound super smarty, I was gonna use a New Japan comparison where Pongi Three K came into the junior tag division, they won the tag titles, their first like show back. They won the Super G tag Tournament as the champions, I think the first chance to ever do so. And then the first major test was the Young Bucks. They lost the Bucks, but then they eventually got the belts back. I thought it was going to be kind of kind of that situation, but clearly I put way too much thought than I should have. Yeah. <laughs> I realise as I'm saying earlier, like you think way too much about this.
1: It's it's easy to uh, to book yourself, you know, to to do some self booking with yes. these things and get a bit carried away, but. Well, um, yeah, uh, overall, I, I thought it was a really enjoyable match.
0: Yeah, uh, definitely. And uh, I'm interested to see where the Street Profits go over here and how this result and some of the other results we'll talk about later affect the Undisputed Era going forward.
1: But Yeah, because there's not that many tag teams that come to mind at the at the moment. So it'll be interesting to see who they face next.
0: Because uh, they've already like, thought they were Vergonson and, uh, and Lorcan and Birch like I'm thinking, yeah. like Free are going to reform next. Maybe, maybe, possibly. Like they def- definitely need a couple of new
1: tag teams, don't they? Yeah, um, at the moment.
0: Yeah, because they lost like quite a few teams at the start. They lost Heavy Machinery, and they lost the Viking Raiders. So, Not that
1: the Viking Raiders seem to be doing a great deal. A few <laughs> squash matches. That's that's about it.
0: Yeah, but uh, we move on and We've got a few different people in the crowd, like I said, Tyler Bate-Pierce later on. Uh, but we got Ricochet in the crowd. He also had a, he had a phenomenal match on SummerSlam against AJ Styles for the US title. He came out and dressed as Nightwing from DC, which popped me, really. I, it's got a pop from me. And also you'll hear more about that match when Nathan and Jimmy cover in their show. But the next yeah,
1: m- I don't think Jimmy was that keen on it as I was uh, talking to him on... Uh- the old social media. All right. Well, when I say not keen on it, I don't, you know, he just, he said another match that was just okay. So. Uh, right.
0: I thought you were talking that he wasn't keen on his nightwing attire. No, uh,
1: yeah. Yeah. The, the actual match between Shane uh, and uh, AJ. I had to be told what his uh, up was. I wasn't, I wasn't quite, I was like, oh, what's he Where He's uh, wearing like different attire.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, was, I kept trying to figure it out, and then I just noticed it's because of it's the blue logo in the Middle East chest. Mm. I was like, aye, that's it. So the next match is Io Shirai taking on Candice LeRae. We get a nice video package kind of recapping some clips of them as friends. And then uh, Io kind of losing the plot after losing it to your 25 and snapping when she lost the cage match on Candice LeRae and changing to this new version of Io Shirai we've seen so far. And this is, like, the only real, like, non-title match on the show. So it was nice that we got a big to really hype up why this match is on the card and the reasons for these two kind of going at it, making it feel like a real grudge match.
1: Yeah. Uh, what do you think of Eo's um, new look and heel persona?
0: I love it, personally. I, I really like the new, like, the entrance and the new music and all that. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. uh, great. Yeah, she's wearing all black to really hit one. In fact, she's a villain now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Like, I loved her, the gear she was wearing in this sh- in this show. And I must say, like this match was way more like back and forth than I thought it would be. Like, I didn't think it would be a squash by any means, but I thought because you was like in this new heel uh, persona, I thought it would be more like a dominant win for her. But Candice, like there were some really good like near falls in like Kansas year, which me I think like Candace might like get the upset one because she's been around like for a while like she's been around, like a year and a bit, and I think this is actually our first official takeover of match
1: yeah, I think it was um I enjoyed it, and I like the fact that they were sort of polar opposites i mean there's e o in um uh, uh, black get up and looking pretty hot, I have to say, in uh, that skin type get up. And then you got uh, Candace the Ray in very bright colors, mm-hmm. so um, yeah, you know, very much the baby face and the bright colors. So it was you know, yeah. nice, nice to see like the polar opposites and in uh, the gear and the entrance and uh, mm-hmm. their personas. And Candace sort of went straight for EO, but EO got an advantage and uh, I like the suplex spot onto the announce table and um, Candice really sold that as well, so she did have um, she did dominate for the for the early going um, and yeah, like yourself, I thought perhaps we were going to get a squash but she, uh, Candice rallied and got back into the match
0: Yeah, I mean, like, I did love the spot that Candice kind of countered when uh, she was on the apron and you kind of that dive through the ropes and went for a kind of a sunset flip, but Kansman kind of managed to block it. But you did hit that, like you said, the suplex, which I did like once a little bit when she had the suplex across the uh across the enemy's table with all the stuff still on it because usually they clear yeah. the tables when they when they go for a spot. So yeah, that was pretty cool. Like she really showed like that she's much more vicious than this new heel guys. But one of the other points I really liked was when. She, they, they comment that her hero was uh, room steel and that's why she used to wear that mask for her entrance. And then she'll go for a version of the six one nine but kind of manages to grab the legs and just that moment where they just stare at each other and you know, realize that she's been caught and she's looking a bit like worried.
1: It's um I thought I thought Eo yeah, looked um a million bucks as she stepped up and improved so much from the Mae Young Classic. There's a lot of talk yeah. about her matches there. Not quite living up to the standard we expected, but yeah. you know, she's, been in, she's been in Florida a year now, and she really looks like she, um, the year we expected to see, especially in this match. I also yeah. loved the um, the Spanish fly from the top of the turnbuckle. That was a that mm-hmm. was a great spot, well executed. Yeah. Um, uh, another spot was when. Uh, Candice, Candice went for um, a toe but turned it into a sort of swinging DDT to the outside. That was oh. a, that was really good. That was.
0: Mm-hmm. I think, uh, like, there's so many like matches on this show. I don't somehow I think people were kind of sleeping on this match a little bit. Even though, like all people are really into this new heel version. You all don't think all people were prepared for how good this match would actually be.
1: Yeah. Um, I, it was my favourite match of the night. To be honest, I, I really enjoyed it. I know a lot of people will say Cole and Gargano, but yeah. we've seen that twice. We, you know, we've seen that match twice already. Yeah. But for for me, these these girls really stepped it up, and it was a great. I like the fact that uh, you know I put a, in Canada, put a cross face oh, on yeah. uh, Candice as well. Yeah, well just, just, yeah. You've never
0: seen a, a a cross face in Canada, you know.
1: <laughs> and uh, I also like the fact that when she set Candice up for a moonsault she sort of stepped on her as she uh, yeah. walked to the turnbuckle. That's a a really good heel heel manoeuvre
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then um, she, she won by some well, by Candice um, passing there. out and uh, yeah, some sort of submission move I'm not very familiar with but it looked nasty Yeah,
0: like, because we had like a some of these, like, false matches I said, like, which may eventually bite and think, can't kind of, make pull out the wind like, she had the reverse hurricane, on it, can't bite her. Yeah, we had uh, the swinging net netbreaker from the middle, which they called Miss Larry's Wild Ride, which I remember from, like, she used in the Mayan Classic, and Eo is known for that amazing moonsault, but when that wasn't really what it put her away, and you could see, this is a slightly more enhanced version, you strike? is, like, her reaction to the fact that the moonsault wasn't enough to keep Candace down and she put in, a, which I think they call it a version of like a triangle or something like that. Yeah. She had her wrap had like, her net wrap between uh, the legs. so And then like Candice eventually passed out. And I agree with what you said about how she's like come on since the main class that you trying. I think being a heel will help her go much further because when she was a face in NXT, it just seemed like she was being made to like carry Sane kind of 2.0. Like this big international star came in for the Mayan Classic and then now he's going after the title, whereas as a heel, she'll stand out much better, I think.
1: Yeah, it'll give her a new dynamic uh, because Asuka was sort of... Well, she seemed to jump through between face uh, um, and heel a little bit, Asuka, but yeah, but he has full sort of, full heel and yeah, it'll help help her stand out and it'll also... um, help her with the language problem as well because uh, heels can get away with not having to say much so yeah. Um, yeah I think it'll really help her going forward
0: yeah like when they showed the clip in the other package of her cutting the promo in Japanese I think that actually would actually help and that would be a cool part of her character like she cuts these like pretty promos in like Japanese which I think would make her Some actually would make them sound much more like would actually make the promo sound better just,
1: uh, just keep her in uh, NXT forever,
0: though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because when she goes to SmackDown, she'll be Vince McMahon or just refusing to do anything, just saying sorry, no speak English.
1: Well, they already want to make her a Kabuki warrior by the looks of the graphic on SmackDown <laughs> the other the other day.
0: Yeah, uh, you know the Kerry scene, Asuka, Yusha, either they're all the same in Vince's eyes.
1: They, they probably are. That's the sad. That's the sad thing.
0: Yeah and I believe it was at this point they were going to sit up for the North American Championship match but then we hear Matt Riddle getting on the microphone and he's he's calling out Kelly and Dane because they were meant to have a match on the go-home show for NXT but Kelly and Dane would attack Matt Riddle again before the match could even start so Matt Riddle calls out Kelly and Dane who tries to get the jump through the crowd and Matt Riddle meets them and they brawl up the ramp they take out some security and uh, they end up they end up diving off the uh off the stage through tail and they take out one poor security guard with them as they go down. Uh, I'm but, all
1: about I'm all about this feud.
0: Yeah. It's a weird like how like really when you think about they've done very low just a few like random like brawls, but they've already like they're really building anticipation in this feud when they haven't even had an official match yet.
1: Yeah, I thought this was a good way to give them a bit of a an appearance on the takeover and give him a few minutes about happened to have a match because of time constraints. So uh, I thought this was well done. And they've been sort of um, presented as equals, which mm-hmm. I like, even though Dane's got a better riddle a couple of times. But when they, when they, ma- when they wrestle, I wouldn't like to say he would win. Mm-hmm. Killy and Dane was massively underused um, on the main roster. I mean, they did nothing with sanity at all. Did they... Um, Eric, um, he's dis- he's disappeared. Eric Young's disappeared into oblivion. Alexander Wolf seems to have found his feet in um, the UK, though, as part of Imperium. So um, that's that's going well for him, and hopefully Dane can pick up some steam again back on uh, back on NXT.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Nikki Cross out of the four of them is doing the best at the moment, given she's one half of the uh, the women's tag team champions, Cezary Scott. A title, and I really like this feel. I, I could definitely see like when they eventually like, have their match, I can see Riddle like winning. But I can I have a feeling with NXT they'll keep uh, Dane strong even in defeat. And I think that's why they're doing all the these like brawl to showcase like Dane and he's like the role he's best at is this unstoppable like monster. Cause, but I do think Riddle won because he's definitely like. Allegedly, the plans are to keep him in NXT for a good while now. My uh, brother and No Rush to call him up. So he's definitely a guy I could see them putting the NXT title on. So I can see him probably winning it. And I do like how much uh, Dane's like really connect themselves back into NXT. Like, he's changed his name on Twitter to the Bro Killer. <laughs>
1: I didn't see that. I mean, they could have easily put Killian Dane in the last Sullivan role on the yeah. main roster, you know, when he was. Um, Cutting and cutting through people and uh, squashing them, but yeah, Vince I thought would do something with Dane because he likes this big monster man, but he yeah. just couldn't seem to care less, could he? For some reason, calls uh-huh. these people up and then he doesn't do
0: anything with them. Did notice that weirdly when they're fighting off the guys, Matt also doing these like spin out like knees to them, doing proper wrestling, is where Dane's just punching people to get to middle. Mm. And... Yeah,
1: they both got very different styles, haven't they? It'll be an yeah. interesting match when it when it happens and they get some time.
0: I can kind of see them like Riddle having to do like, like either just constant knees to kind of keep him down, and like, try and knock out Dane or kind of get him a submission, have Dane like pass out so like he loses, but Riddle has to like give him everything in order to beat him.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's uh, I'm looking forward to it when it happens. Anyway. I-
0: uh, I'm glad that you said they had an angle like on the show like for these two. Cause I would have thought this would have been a takeover match as well. And like, yeah. Do you think they'll like the? How long do you think they'll so like, Do you think they'll keep us going to the next takeover and have a match on that, or do they think they'll just like blow us off on TV?
1: I don't know. Maybe they'll have a match that goes to a non-finish, or they'll find a way to keep them away from each other, or they'll have a couple of matches and then a. A rubber a rubber match with a gimmick at the next takeover? I'm really not sure. But as you say, Riddle looks like a good bet to, to go against um, the NXT champion, doesn't he? So yeah. um, they might even do that at the next takeover. We'll, we'll just have to see.
0: Yeah, but we cut to the crowd again and we see Evolve champion Austin Thudy in the front row. And he looks just shocked himself that he's there. And also we know WWE's relationship. with Evolve, all they, they showed the evolved tenth anniversary show on the network, and Austin Theory has made no made no bones with the fact he he believes himself to be a future star, and, and WWE like he when he won the Evolve title, he said, "I'm going to hold this until I decide I'm done with it, and then I'll go and win the NXT championship."
1: So, so yeah, do you think he might start making appearances in NXT then?
0: Uh, they, like, I think this could be just part of like Debbie's relationship with Evolve but like they've got guys from NXT and the performance that are appearing at Evolve shows so I can see him like still like making appearances very soon and then like and still like appearing at Evolve from now like every now and then because Evolve only do like one or two shows a month and NXT does like a few live events and then like a taping every so often so I believe you could definitely do like both for a while and I'm surprised that like I don't know when this if they if he has to I don't know when it was done because I would have thought if they had him man sooner he would have been a perfect candidate to go all the way in that breakout tournament because he looks like the kind of guy that if he came to nxt they would really want to push to like a top guy. Yeah,
1: but uh, maybe because he's already a champion from a different division and they perhaps thought he was above it. I don't I don't know.
0: Maybe like. So f- so- there was a lot of top light talent in that pre career tournament. It's been one of my highlights of NXT T V over the last month or so, so like I would have loved to see him kind of in the mix.
1: But yeah, well it'd be interesting to see what they do with him if he's gonna make appearances, perhaps. Yeah. Who knows? But uh we uh we get to the the next match, um <laughs> which is the uh triple threat for the North American Championship. And that also we get a nice um Video package for that, which we probably need because uh, Dunn was inserted to it quite late on, wasn't yeah. he? Really?
0: Yeah, and uh, he just seemed like when go said on NXT that he said a word with Johnny Saint and Dunn's going to be NXT US for a wee while. Uh, how long that is, I don't know, but I did. I did love the segment where he came back because he got like a hell of a pop. He really and, did, didn't he? Yeah. Like, he's one of the guys, like, where it's NXT in the US or wherever they go with NXT UK, he and like Mustache Mountain are the guys that they're guaranteed a great reaction no matter where they seem to go.
1: Yeah, it's because I think part of it is because he's just so good, and I think people yeah. res- really respect how, how great his in-ring
0: work is. Yeah, and like, I do think it's a right idea to have him. And this version of NXT is well because he's been around before, like he's competed in war games and he's been on takeovers. I think at the moment he's uh, kind of outgrown NXT UK, he's done all he can like when he was the champion. and I think, like, as I slowly transition to this version of NXT is the right idea for him for, for right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, he was uh, the longest reigning champion in the modern era, as he keep saying. So, um, yeah, I don't see what else he can much else he can do there really
0: yeah but like you said they did have a really good uh, video package to, like showcase each guy as a contender and why they're a part of this match and then a music, a song I didn't think I'd hear in an empty takeover we hear yes. the many scenes
1: <laughs> <90s of, the laughs> I, I popped big for this this is one of the greatest themes of all time and uh, yeah typical <laughs> of uh, the Velveteen dream he's such a showman isn't he and he has to have a a great entrance, and they had a dancing troupe, and you just sort of in silhouette, but they clearly had like uh hats and uh jackets on, yeah. And, and then he, he did a nice little nod to uh the Toronto Raptors, didn't they, as well,
0: yeah, yeah. And like as soon as you the things on the people coming, like, yeah, this is definitely a dreams entrance because like it would it would make little sense if it was the other guys, so you know, this is part of one of dreams like regular elaborate entrances and then he comes out and he's wearing kind of the white and the red colours, kind of like the Canadian flag, so even though he's like from East American he's kind of wearing the Canadian colours and the other guys kind of make standard entrances, I did like the new gear from from down kind of the black and the green
1: Yes, Mm -hmm. it was good that was, it was smart
0: Yeah, and like I think for a lot of people going into this this was their most anticipated match because like obviously three really great wrestlers but also because of like strong scott the whole like uh like the und- part of the unspeed there and there's that whole ultimate to be covered in gold and then you had done and like you said very late on as kind of a wild card like you never like, you weren't really sure where this was going to go but i think in dream whether or not he won where they retained or he lost he still would have been the longest reign and a North American champion so far so yeah
1: he's having a really good run with it and i just want to say do you not think this is the sort of thing main roster uh, is missing or one of the things out yeah, that that sort of showmanship that only Velveteen Dream at the moment can can seem to bring to proceedings
0: yeah i think i think so cuz like you have like it's very rare we get a, a big like, elaborate entrance like also, you can't do it on every like show, but like every now and then, film his into because like we'd seemingly get them really at like a WrestleMania or something like that.
1: He's a he's a future main event WrestleMania main eventer in my eyes, and unless something goes terribly, terribly wrong, I, I can't see how you can go wrong with him. I really can't.
0: But what did you make of this match? Because they seemed to have a like there was a a of, kind of like every now and then to be a weird like alliance. I guys like we had strong getting double team delio and then he made a comeback on on both guys and then we were really strong and uh Dream had to team up at one point because dunn kept like going after each guy's fingers and then we had guys breaking up like big moves and there was a sequence where dream hits like dream dt strong hits like a knee and then dunn hits him with that's Roderick strong with the x place when he went from end to heartache and then all three men are just down where the crowd are going the greater Governmental because like out of respect for the performance, all three men are putting on.
1: Yeah, um, I really enjoyed it, and you, you do, you will, and I think it does make sense to have uh, mini alliances during the match, especially if um, somebody starts dominating. Just to team up to get them out of the picture, so you can fight each other. Because none of the none of the the other alliances they they only lasted for a couple of moves or so. There was a bit where. Um, Dream held um, strong, so uh, Dunn could uh, stomp on his uh, hand, didn't he? And then, yeah. as soon as he'd done that, they they sort of started uh, fighting each other. So they didn't they didn't waste much time to yeah to go at it. And I also loved uh, Dream's little homage to uh, Bret Hart as well. Not yeah. just a sharpshooter, but he did the side rush and leg sweep, the, the backbreaker. And then the elbow off the top rope, which was Brett's free moves before yeah. doing the sharpshooter. So so I loved that little um, yeah. thing. And he also, if you're on Twitter, he also posted a, a selfie of himself and Brett on his uh, Twitter as well. So yeah. obviously someone he's a big fan of, like um, Sean and Rick Rude. I love the way he sort of smooshes his favorite wrestlers into his acting character. Yeah,
0: I mean, and uh, he went for charge too later on we had Strong hitting getting it locking kind of a double version of his stronghold, Yes. Kind of, like, kind of like the line team I nod to another Canadian and uh, Chris Jericho. And one of the other one of the other really good moments with Strong was when he does that move where he runs back and forth and routes elbow and knee and these opponents against the ropes. But he did it with both dream and done positioning the ropes, so it's basically hits one and then hits the other as he's running and then hits them again as he's running back and forth.
1: Yeah, I also love the bit where um, uh, Dunn hits um, strong with the bitter end, and Dreams trying to hold the referee so he doesn't yeah. make, so he doesn't count. But then the ref does realize he does go to count, and instead of breaking up the pin, Dream sort of jumps in and grabs the referee's arm so it can't go down to make the freak out. I thought that was a very clever save.
0: Yeah, and so we're, it's part of the Dreams' like character that. He's not really... He's kind of ambiguous in terms of whether he's a face or heel because he's clearly a fan favourite and at the moment he's getting cheered. But Aaron and then we've seen that take over 25 when he brought the belt in the ring. It's kind of a distraction. And what he did here with the ref, like, he can, like, throw it. He's not afraid to throw in, like, you know, what would be seen as heelish tactics in order to keep his title.
1: Yeah, he will, he will use heelish tactics. And I think if he sees that his opponent is perhaps... Uh, getting more cheers than him, he will sort, he's not afraid to heal it up like some some wrestlers will get a bit upset, won't they, for them to be yeah. the face and they're not getting that reaction, but Dream will just um, will just go and heal it up so, I'd put him in a sort of tweener, he seems to appeal to so to so many demographics which mm-hmm. is the, the great thing about Velveteen uh, Dream
0: Yeah, and we had a, a really smart finish. I think, is Dream had hit Done with the Dream Valley driver, Roderick Strong throws Dream out of the ring. I believe Strong hits the end of Heart 8. That's goes, it, yeah. And done. He goes for the cover and then from out of nowhere, we get the Dream diving back into the ring with a purple rainmaker on Now both men. Roll Strong off the cover and pins done to retain his North American Championship. And I must say, Blake, in terms of predictions so far, we were both wrong about Street Profits. We yes. thought and <laughs> that we're going to win. Uh, we we're both right, that you would win, and then uh, this was the main difference. I was correctly predicted that that Dream would retain, and whereas Carl thought that Strong would would win the title.
1: Yeah, I went for an undisputed uh, clean sweep, which mm-hmm. was uh, a big mistake. I'd also like to say that Velveteen um, Dream's North American title run—it sort of reminds me a little bit. Um, of, Shawn Michaels' 92 run with the Intercontinental title where he's the dream's just sort of doing enough to scrape through matches of his title intact. Yeah. Which is sort of how Shawn Michaels retained his title a lot. He, he did get himself carried out a lot, but he, he's just sort of finding ways to win. Like with Riddle, he's sort of He was in the submission, but he managed to roll him up and uh, get away with the win, even though he'd been dominating most of the match. Mm -hmm. And against um, uh, Tyler Breeze, he used the title, as you said, as a a distraction. And here he uh, sort of jumped in after uh, Strong had hit his manoeuvre. So, yeah, he's just sort of squeaking out of matches of the title at the moment, but still looking strong. It's not like he's... uh, they're
0: booking him really cleverly, I think. And uh, who knows where the dream will go next? Like, there's a chat. I have a feeling like the uh, the winner of the Big tournament, they get to choose any title, and I have a feeling they'll probably. It's more likely they'll be put into the North American title scene. So, you know, it'll, it'll likely be either Jordan Miles or Cameron Grimes versus the Belgian dream, dream at some point in the future. Either way, I think it's a it's a yeah. good matchup. Because there's a
1: precedent for that, because uh, Dream won that uh, Worlds collide tournament, didn't mm-hmm. he? And and he chose to go for the, um, the North American, American title, which he yeah. sort of relieved Gargano after uh, after a couple of weeks. He's he doesn't very he doesn't get very long title reigns, does he, Gargano? But I think I think he is better as the underdog chasing rather than the champion. So I don't think it's hurt him having short reigns. In all fairness.
0: Yeah, probably not. And so we moved on to the the next match, which is Mia Gim versus Shayna Baszler for the NXT Women's Championship. Another match before weren't really, there wasn't that much hype around going into the show. Uh, Baszler, uh, Mia kind of got the shot because she kind of beat she beat Bianca Belair twice, because Bianca Belair's only other real loss was against Shayna. And then they started showing these video packages of where Mia grew up. And so Usually in NXT you can tell either someone's a to be no one content or, or shortly after they become no one contender they get this like sit down interview telling you more about them to show you this is why you should care about this person because they're about to be put in a really prominent position. And then she took out both horsewomen on the lead up to this to make sure she and, it was just her and Sheena one-on-one. And I think it's fair to say that uh, for an NXT match this was a lot the Pace was a lot slower than all people are. We're kind of used to, for my takeover or a match.
1: Yeah, it was more deliberately paced, but I don't necessarily think that makes it a bad match. But yeah, I don't. I, I know I'm. I don't really see it with uh, Mia Yim. Uh, apparently, she's got good pedigree in other uh, wrestling promotions, but she didn't seem to, for me, to be the right challenger for Shayna. Mm. Shayna's already beaten her on TV. Relatively. Easily, a, a couple of times, I think. So it it just felt like a a funny decision all round for me. Um but I'm not quite sure. I mean, I I'm a I'm a massive fan of Shane. And she's one of my favourites, but not quite sure why they're keeping the title on her for so long. I don't um, I don't know what their their actual plan is. Yeah. Unless it's a bit like Asuka, Triple H is scared to death she'll get buggered up on main roster, so he's keeping the belt on her and keeping her uh, in the next day as long as he can I'm I'm not too sure but um, I like the story of the match as well where uh, as you say Myra had taken out Shayna's hench women so they weren't around and the fact she targeted Shayna's arm as well that bit where it was trapped in the steps and she mm-hmm. she kicked it and from then on she was targeting the arm and fair to Shayna, she never forgot to sell uh-huh. the arm either you know, like a, a lot of the time um in these matches, they'll sell it for about five minutes and then tend to forget, won't they? But uh, it played an important part in the match. Yeah. What, what did you What did you think of the match? Honest opinion.
0: Uh, like you said, it was kind of a, like you said, deliberately paced. But I think part of the issue with some of as matches is uh, that they seem to always be in this position between like the second to last match. So it seems to be like with certain with certain exceptions, some of them kind of feel in an awkward position where the crowd aren't as like into it because like they've probably seen a great match that just came before it so like it's usually a struggle but like the story that for the story of the match it was the right pace and I liked Mia going right after Sheena's arm doing the spot and steps. and she did a smart thing where she knew she was like out wearing for a while so she went back into she left in the and fit, went back into to break the great count up and then came back out to do the spot and uh and it was smart because we know Shana is known for that kind of offense with going after the arm, and she would do that as well to Mia. So they were both kind of disadvantaged with the arm, and they both remembered to, to sell. But I think because we've seen a great North American title match, we would seen like the EO Candace kind of match earlier on, and the fact that this is a match centered around selling the arm and then going after the other person's arm, it was maybe a lot more like technical. The crowd were noticeably very quiet for a lot of this match, they really. Picked up when they did the code blue as they called it yeah that the, was off a off good the, move. the crowd noticed what they were going for they kind of you could tell they audibly picked up from there and then from there they kind of bit for some like when mia got out of the, the character twice and then she did kind of Shana's arm spot back to her so the crowd can yes. pick up <laughs> towards the end but i was hoping this would kind of be the sleeper hit of the night and was really surprised people and I think the role that I hope this would play actually went to Io and Candice because I think that match was a bit, bit was better than this one.
1: I think I think Shayna, a bit like Brock. I think she works better with uh, a small, you know, an opponent that's smaller than her that can uh, move around quickly. You know, her best matches have been with Eo and Kyrie Sane. So um, I think I think that's. Um, I mean, they're her best sort of opponents, really.
0: Yeah, and I agree with you said about keeping the belt on her for quite a while. Like I think we both had Mia coming in this because I thought it was going to be yeah. a, case, a case of like the upset that a local see coming because I really think this new heel version of Io Shirai is what's going to help her like get the title. Like she was unsuccessful as a face, so then she turns heel and she's able to to win the title. So I thought yeah. maybe
1: like. Well, well, I'll have to transition the title onto a, onto a face as a, like a caretaker champion to get it on Io. I can't see Shane going face to be honest, and I can't yeah. see him doing heel v heel. But uh, she sort of won in similar fashion to Eo as well, because she found she couldn't make the uh, Kurafida clutch stick because of a bad arm. So she uh, sort of go into a tri- got uh, Mia into a triangle lock with uh, with her legs forcing uh Maya to tap out
0: yeah very, um, very similar finishes
1: but but it worked it worked for the match because of the the story on the arm uh I don't think Mia was the right person to take the championship off Shayna so so I'm glad so I'm glad she didn't I perhaps thought Eo should have taken it she still could have found a way to turn the heel if they wanted to but um I don't know, maybe Bianca Belair might be next. Possibly Candice, but she's just lost to EO. I don't know how you get to that one. So, yeah, I'm really not sure, but um, her title reign is edging on to 290 days, which is the longest reign uh, as a current champion of any um, person in the WWE at the moment.
0: Yeah, I think there may be be 20. I think Paige being the first time her reign was a Actually, no, I was going to say Page's room was longer. No, actually, I was asking. I'm talking a lot of shit, But uh, I do think that like they are running up credible like challengers in the women's division. So I think it's like, you know, kind of have to lose the title sooner or later, because, which is why I thought they'd do like, the whole thing with Mia being the transitional champion to then lose. So a face can win the title and Mia, sorry, uh, Io can win, could win the title for this new heel girl. And so now they've got a different type of heel as a champion, and then I thought, her Eo being the heel champion, and then uh, Candace could continue their their feud, and Candace could eventually win the title from Io. I think that would make, make a lot more sense. But they could find yeah. a way for a way for Candice to win it and then that that and continue the feud with EO that way.
1: Yeah, we'll have to see what their plans are. It, yeah. It just, just it's um, a, a lot now after summer It's almost like they hit a reset button and Mm -hmm. everybody's got a sort of clean slate almost because I I really wouldn't like to say the feuds and number of contenders for for anybody going forward, apart from perhaps Kofi and Orton. Mm -hmm. Uh, That looks like it could continue on to another match. But other than that.
0: But so from here on, we went uh, to the crowd again, where we've seen both Walter and Tyler Bates, because they showed an advert beforehand for takeover Cardiff on the thirty first of August, which uh, should be a good show and they confirmed that it would be Falter versus Tyler Bate yeah. for the uh, the NXT UK championship.
1: And Rogue Opinion's very own Nathan Greenaway will be there live.
0: Mm-hmm. And he not what he's very like been very lights towards wrestling last few so I doubt he's really keeping up with NXT UK that much. So no. He, he has no uh, like, clue. He no like,
1: clue what's going on. <laughs> he's,
0: so I I imagine he'll be very confused, thinking, "Who is this large man with this bill?"
1: <laughs> I think he knows who Walter
0: is, but <laughs> uh... <laughs> no, not not according not according to my or career pay per view, so he didn't, <laughs> <laughs> or at least he didn't know who, at least he didn't know who Imperium was.
1: No, well, I can understand that. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but regardless, we uh we of to the evening, the two or three volt match are basically. More Ellicott. It's basically a three stages of Hell match, but they didn't want to call it that. Whereas a two or three falls match with different stipulations. We have the first fall being a regular wrestling match, which Adam Cole chose. The second fall being a street fight chosen by Gargano, and when Rigo said if it went to third fall, well, he would choose the other stipulation. And they they were they didn't really reveal it in the weeks leading up to it but if you were watching the pre-show, uh, Rigo would, would kind of reveal it at the end of. The end of the pre-show and also you can kind of tell like the people who were leaking photos on twitter of this big black curtain at the top of the arena which really kind of made the obvious that it was probably hiding the steel cage but uh, it wasn't very uh, an ordinary steel cage as we'll get to when we get to the to the third fall but Kirk He continues his trend of his Marvel themed six thing coming out as Wolverine who uh, I forgot Wolverine's also Canadian. I forgot about the scene in the uh, X-Men Origins movie where the uh, American says, so when his country needs him, me says, I'm Canadian.
1: Yeah, I think even in the comic box, he's Canadian as well. So yeah. he'd, he'd been part of uh, various Canadian sort of X-Men type groups as well. So, yeah, that's. Um, I always look forward to seeing uh, Gargano's Marvel-inspired gear.
0: Yeah, it's like he had to like Iron Man back in New York and he's done all sorts and we had Adam Cole come out and Adam Cole seemed to get a much like, more positive reaction than Johnny Gargano did. I think maybe people were getting a bit sick of this uh, Johnny chasing the title thing possibly. But I do think they came more like towards Johnny towards the end, but like it was very noticeable at the start that the crowd were much more into seeing Adam Cole come out on top.
1: Yeah, he's just so charismatic and fun. Now, isn't he, Adam Cole, it's uh, yeah. it's hard not to not to like him.
0: Mm-hmm. Like I don't think as much to say but as much. But the first of all, because it was your a standard like wrestling match. You had uh, Gargano like going after the leg and like because uh, Adam Cole's whole reason is he wanted to beat Johnny at his own game because Johnny is Johnny wrestling, but Johnny was kind of yeah. out. Johnny was kind of out wrestling Adam Cole like constantly breaking down like the leg and. And things like that, but he still he couldn't put Adam away and he eventually got himself disqualified kind of giving Cole the first fall.
1: Yeah, an interesting decision. And if we'd had gone to the tiebreaker, I I would have won because I did predict <laughs> uh, not maybe in that fashion, but I did predict Cole would take the uh the first fall. They do, they tend to do that, don't they? Um if the wrestler says, Oh well if one guy says we'll have a normal wrestling Match. They tend to lose the the match they pick for some reason, don't they? Yeah, it's one of those unwritten rules in wrestling.
0: Yeah, and cool, actually won the match he picked. Like I remember, it it made me think of like the uh, the two of the CCH the Hell match between Austin and Triple H more what two thousand one. Yeah, like they like said, like Austin had more of the advantage in the in the street fixes more of a role and Triple H had more of an advantage in the wrestling match, whereas. And when instead Austin won the uh, the wrestling match and Triple H won the street fight, which went to third fall, which was also a cage match. So I thought it was going to be shade to that in this match, but there was kind, was...
1: there was kind of, there was kind of, which we'll get to on the on the finish because I'm not completely convinced that that went completely uh, uh, to plan. But I'll, I'll give you my thoughts when uh, when we get there.
0: Yeah. I did notice that maybe some booze like the way the first fall ended with got Johnny hitting Adam Cole with the chair against ldq would But then they uh, they go into the street fight where now it's all legal and Adam and Johnny continues like the punishment he hits him with a the chair, they, they end up brawling through the crowd, Adam Cole gets backdropped through the, the Spanish announce table. So they they go like Johnny goes like all out for this. I'm pretty sure he does kind of a lawn dart thing into a steel chair at one point as well. Yes, <laughs> and uh, I believe that actually might have been even the finish of the the second fall. I guess I can't remember how the second fall ended.
1: Yeah, he he did the long dot into the steel chair, yeah. and he put um, Cole in the Gargano escape, and Cole yeah. quickly tapped out. Mm-hmm.
0: Which is guess what? When you think about, when you talk about, like, wait, when matches where it's like you need to get a certain amount of falls, like you, you tap out quickly because you may be giving somebody else to fall, but you're saving yourself injury and you can continue the match.
1: Yeah, no, sort of matches. It, it does make sense. I mean, if you hold on, you're going to just injure yourself even more in uh, mm-hmm. kayfabe wise. So yeah. it does make sense to save yourself and and tap out to fight mm-hmm. for the next fall, especially when he was a fall up as well. So yeah.
0: um, and then we have the steel cage, Lauren. We see it's covered in weapons. You've got fire extinguishers, chairs, uh, tables, barbed wire in the top. Of the of the cage to. A ladder? Of, yeah, the ladder randomly like, to stop guys from climbing it. The table's in the ring because Johnny brought a table into the ring earlier on in the second fall, but it never got used, so then it's a position you could kind of tell like they're playing some sort of spot from off the cage to the table, but I would probably, like, I think people were expecting that anyway, like some sort of like off the cage spot, and they said, like, the purpose of the bar wire is it. They cannot win by by escaping. you had to win inside the cage yeah. by pinfall or submission. So that,
1: that was announced, wasn't it, and made yeah. it clear that they could only win by uh, pinfall or submission.
0: What was quite interesting is there was also a sledgehammer on, uh, on the, near the top of the cage.
1: That Triple H's favorite.
0: <laughs> yep. Uh, really, like. I just like the idea they kept like climbing trying to go and get it. I just like the idea of probably just coming down and grabbing the, the sledgehammer like we can't share the sledgehammer, none of you just get to use it. <laughs> but, uh, or, like, or the sl- I like the several, but there were one or two spots where you can kinda tell like you can tell in match like, that's where stuff's only happening because you can tell they're clearly setting up for a planned spot. Like when Uncle cleaned up to get that chair that was hanging from the cage when there were like five different chairs lying across the map. It was so they could do a spot where one of them got launched, like yeah. into, the, into the kind of cage wall where the chair was. So, like it's like when it's one of the things like sometimes when spots are made like too obvious.
1: No, I know what you mean, but uh, it it was a fun match, and I think it was uh, was it Gargano who got the sledgehammer down in the end.
0: Yeah, I think he like, used it once. I think he got mm. one shot to like the ribs of, Coolin. One thing I didn't like about this match is. The way that they kinda of overdid like Cole's finish the uh, the Panama Semis, the version yeah. of the Canadian destroyer and kinda of kinda kept kicking out of it even when Cole did it like dove off the ladder and hit the so like it's one of the things where like it's kind of a complaint in one a couple of the other matches they've done in the series where Gargano's kicked out of a lot and like again they kept like really like devaluing the that finish. So, like I know they wanted to keep doing it probably because it's like as a Canadian destroyer and the Iron in Canada but like it's it, built yeah it is
1: one of his um, signature moves though I don't know what doing it off a ladder really really does for it because he still yeah. lands on the floor before yeah. actually doing it so I'm, I'm not sure what, what that's meant to add to it really he's just jumping from a, a bigger height he's not mm-hmm. actually delivering the move from the from the bigger height I
0: uh-huh. know there was a spot where uh, Gargano did spray Cole in the eyes with the fire extinguisher.
1: I also think there was a, there was a slight air of disappointment in the room when they got the bag and opened it up, and it it wasn't fun tax inside. I think yeah. uh, myself included were were expecting fun tax and I think you could hear a bit of a sigh of the audience of yeah uh, disappointment. Mm-hmm.
0: But, uh, one thing I was also disappointed was. One of the things in the bag, uh, ironically enough, with being Regal's like choice stipulation, we had the brass nuts. Yes. In the bag, which uh, we was known for back in the day, and yet, like I would have loved to have a spot where there was two sets where I would have loved a spot where they both went for it to hit the uh, the brass nuts and they maybe both connected at the same time. I thought that would have been a cool like, spot. But what was in the bag was a pair of pliers, which uh, Gargano chose to use to climb up and cut a bit of barbed wire. So Obviously, I think he was planning on like wrapping him either himself or around Cole. But then Cole started climbing up the cage onto this weird like platform near the top of the cage, or some sort of board. And I think, yeah, I don't
1: know if that was meant to be a table, but uh yeah, they they were able to use it as a as a platform, like you say. I think it might be a table, but I'm not hundred percent sure on that. Yeah,
0: and there were there were two tables set up at the bottom back in the ring, and uh, they brawl on the top for a while while the crowd chants, please don't die, which is very considerate of them. And <laughs> both end um, up until they both end up tumbling off of the board through the one just one of the tables. But uh, the way they land, uh, Cole gets his arm over Gargano and is able to pin him for the three. And Adam Cole retains and the two falls to one. And uh, at least one member of the Undisputed Era leaves with gold on this particular yeah. occasion. This is
1: what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if, like Triple H, if he
0: was sort of more meant to, meant to actually land
1: on, um, you know, with an arm over Gargano rather than having to sort of roll over to him. But um, that's yeah. just nitpicking, and I might, I might be wrong on that. Yeah. But uh, it's funny because Gargano was completely out and couldn't move, and they both fell from the same, you know, the same height onto the same thing, and yet. Um, Cole was able to have the wherewithal to to cover, to cover Gargano so I'm just wondering if he, if he was meant to fall and have an arm draped over him rather than having to roll but I don't yeah. know for sure I'm just I'm just guessing
0: Yeah and it'll be quite interesting to see where both men go for here year because uh, there's a video going in post Joe with like the show went off air with Gargano and Kenneth three in the ring Johnny's going to Doing this extended like Simon in the ring, where he's soaked in the agitation of the crowd, and then he hugged William Eagle at the top of the ramp, which could very well signal the send off of, uh, of Johnny Gargano from NXT.
1: Yeah, uh, it does sound like this might be his uh, farewell, and now he's lost um, two matches to, to Cole. I, I don't really, I think he's done everything he can do.
0: On yeah. NXT,
1: so I look forward to seeing
0: him on 205 Live. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, some people do criticise like, stuff like that about him going on 205 Live. But if you look at 205 Live at the moment, they really need stars. So on that, on that side of it, like maybe Johnny wouldn't be too bad on 205 Live, but we'll it see. It might
1: actually help 205 Live. If NXT goes on TV and all the people that watch NXT through the network. And might not have access to whatever channels it ends up on. They might they might turn to 2-5 live, you never know.
0: Yeah. But I'm interested to see what happens with the interview there because like this is kind of the to tier over there where Cole is the only one to come out on top. And I'm wondering if their like failure to all have gold is gonna cause some dissension. And my my brother and I were talking about this and we were talking about this like potential like cool match they could do for war games is one last like attempt to be covered in gold and that they get like Street Profits available velveteen Dream and like somebody like to challenge the world tale like a uh, Matt Riddle and basically do four on four war games for all the gold. And if Undisputed Air don't win then maybe they, that's when they they leave and they get and they get called <laughs> up or possibly they could even break up if like they start if the dissension starts.
1: Yeah, uh, maybe. Strong might decide he wants a, a, a puppet, uh, Cole's title. Mm-hmm. He's shown a bit of dissension before, so yeah you, yeah, you never know.
0: There's a few possibilities there, yeah. But uh, overall, what do you think of this? Uh, the two or three falls match?
1: I, I mean, I enjoyed it. I mean, I would have enjoyed it more if I hadn't seen them wrestle, um, twice or you know, twice already. Um, I thought. I thought he chose them probably the most boring falls for the first two: a, a, a normal wrestling match and a street fight, which is basically what we've seen them wrestle already. But it really picked up in the third and final fall in the inside the cage. I had heard it was a barbed YSDL cage, but I wasn't expecting all the weapons around it. So, so that made it different. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, and. Um, I enjoyed the match, but you know I'm, I'm also ready for for a new program as well.
0: Yeah, definitely. I'm like different thing. It's one of those matches that really builds and builds, like as the match goes on. And some of the best spots we got were in that final fall with all the the weapons spread around it. And I agree you. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing someone else challenge, go like like maybe Matt Riddle, or if he when he, he's clear to come back, uh, Champa.
1: Yeah, um, I think he might have to come back as a, a baby face because I can, I can only see him getting a, a monster pop when he when he returns.
0: Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not quite sure how far along he is. Apparently, he's a slightly ahead of schedule, but he's still got a ways to go. So, like, hopefully, like maybe by either the end of the year or maybe starting next year, we can see uh, Champa coming back to maybe take the title because I can see him going back right back into the title feed considering like the whole angle that like he never had actually lost that he had to yeah. give it up. I mm-hmm.
1: heard people saying oh he, he might be back for summer you know, this this event and I was thinking no with his injury that that's just far too soon. That that doesn't mm-hmm. sound right to me. So yeah, it's yeah. gonna be uh, it's gonna be a bit longer before he's back. But yeah, he could have a challenge Cole or maybe Riddle or whoever ends up with the title by the by the time he comes back.
0: I could, I could really think like, you could win the Tales K as a baby face, but I could see him, like, easily, as soon as he's got the belt back, he could slowly transition back into that heel version. Like, he could, like, turn on the crowd, like, for kind of maybe jumping on the bandwagon just because he got hurt. And uh, he could go back to being that heel character he played so well. But uh, as a whole, what did you think of TakeOver Toronto? Did it meet kind of expectations? Is it kind of fitting with, like, other takeovers or...
1: Yeah, I think it's uh, again. I, I, I can't really think of many many bad ones. Mm-hmm. If I'm perfectly honest, I really enjoyed it. I thought every match, every match delivered uh, for me. So, mm-hmm. Obviously, some were better than others. Um, my highlight definitely was EO versus Candice. So yeah, definite thumbs up for this takeover for me and yourself.
0: Uh, I'd definitely give it a thumbs up as well. I've seen some people a bit down but I think it's because the quality we've been used to for so long with we TakeOver, we've kind of spoiled ourselves as fans a little bit. So I think that's probably like, something five have had like, kind of With like, the exception of maybe Shayna v Mia Yim, pretty much every match delivered in some way for me. But uh, even Mia v Shayna, like, yeah, I could tell why they were doing what they were doing storyline-wise. they the stuff they did makes it made sense. So, like, it's not as if that was a total negative. So, I can't really give a sense in less than a thumbs up. So-
1: yeah, I mean, I, as I say, I think I think uh, Mia was a bit... don't want to, you know, bash or discredit Mia, but I don't think she was the, the strongest opponent for Shayna. And I think perhaps people were getting a bit tired of Cole versus Gargano. They seem to do these trilogies all in one go i think they work better if you you sort of space you know you space them out a bit
0: mm-hmm.
1: if i'm making sense yeah you know I, have a different match have a different match here and then have their rubber match at the war games take over or, or or whatever rather than just bunching it all up you know you know we, we like to see different matches
0: yeah i get what you're saying but we can't go without uh, addressing the elephant in the room is much like last month when we did Fight for the Fallen, there are predictions and when you get wrong predictions, there's a punishment. And when I lost I had to sit through ECW December to Dismember. And now Carl lost these predictions. And so we've we've heard you've heard Nathan and Jimmy hyping up what this punishment is. And I can exclusively reveal here on the TakeOver Toronto review that Carl and either Nathan or Jimmy whoever loses their predictions we'll probably find out about that on the SummerSlam review we'll have to sit down and review the first three episodes of the hit reality TV show Total Divas Oh goody (laughs) Uh, I cannot wait uh, uh, Better you than me I can say but like like I'm just I'm just thinking about how happy you were last month when I lost. I know, yeah. I I, I think I actually, in some sort of
1: sick way, prefer this to happen to watch December to to um, dismember. At least I can sort of break. At least I can sort of break things up a bit. What are they twenty minute episodes? Home? I hope.
0: No so. I have no idea. I mean, <laughs> I mean, enjoy having to sit through fucking Cameron. And like the likes of that, and like Eve and Marie in the first few episodes, like. Oh God. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm trying to find a saving. I'm trying to find a saving grace for you. I mean, we had at least had the hardest VMM on our thing. I can't think of one for you guys. So, um, you're gonna. I hope you enjoy that. But in the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at scottmccloud1996. You can find my other podcast, Scott and Paul's Rambling Podcast, at sprambling on Twitter and Facebook.com forward slash rambling podcast. We're going to be talking all about SummerSlam in our next episode. Uh, you can check our last episode which was released in two parts. First part given predictions for SummerSlam this past Sunday and second part we did a retro Su- SummerSlam review where we reviewed SummerSlam 1993 which got, which meant a lot of talk about the Lex Express. <laughs> which was oh yes
1: I remember I remember that well as a 13-year-old, I still didn't know what the hell they were trying to do with uh, <laughs> the whole Lex Express
0: malarkey. He was trying to be your hero, Carl. I need a hero. hero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, we, we reviewed that. That's a lot of fun. And you can also follow the rant at Rogue underscore Pains on Twitter and on Instagram. And you can stay tuned for links to the SummerSlam review coming up and also Carl and whoever loses that prediction, and their probably in-depth analysis of Total Divas, the first three episodes. Carl, do you have any plugs?
1: Yeah, uh, me and Sean today, actually, have recorded uh, another Doctor Who episode where we um, review episode six, Uh, Dalek, one of the best episodes probably in its entire run, so that'll be out after these wrestling ones are done, so maybe Wednesday or Thursday, so keep a look out for that. And um, yes, as uh, Scott has alluded to, uh, my part of either Jimmy or Nathan, where I'll have the joys of talking about Total Divas. Perfect. <laughs> uh, oh, I, can't,
0: I can't wait to listen to that. <laughs> I, I'm sure uh, you can't. <laughs> oh, it's, much better, it's much better on this side of things. But... Yes, I know. But <laughs> well, uh, on the bright side, uh, once I've eventually caught up on the G1, uh, we just had the uh, the G1 finals happen. Uh, so once Carl is reviewed, told he, was, he will on the bright side he will get to review some much better. When uh, me and Carl will at some point be doing a G1 tournament uh, summary, where we look back at the best matches and moments in the, the uh, looking at who performed best in the G1 tournament and uh, what we think of who was goes on to the finals and who eventually won the entire thing and will be going on to Wrestle Kingdom to challenge for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. So uh, just when you're sitting there watching uh, the Funkadactyls and uh, the Bella Twins, just think, I get to talk about <laughs> New Japan after this. <laughs> Let that be your saving grace. Bloody dactyls, <laughs> Christ. Ah, <gasps> uh, uh. Good times had by all. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this has been a, a good time uh, for us to talk about NXT Takeover Toronto. And to play us out, please enjoy the tunes of the man who saved me from having to endure the fate that Carl will be sitting through. Please enjoy the Velveteen Dream. Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye.
1: Velveteen Dream.